The reading is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. It's on page 603 of your pew Bible. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland of, of give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Advent is a time of waiting, anticipation, expectation, preparation. But I wonder if we're all on the same page regarding what it is we're waiting for. Like, what it is we're anticipating? What do we expect? For what do we prepare? As we prepare the house and the gifts and the menus and all the things that go along with this time of year, are you also preparing your heart, your mind, your soul? For what? I guess the easy answer to my questions are the Sunday school answer to all the pastor's questions. Jesus. Jesus. Right. We wait for Jesus. We anticipate the birth of Jesus. We expect Jesus. We prepare for Jesus. What does that mean? <laughs> like the third Sunday of Advent is our time to remember what it is we're waiting for, why it matters how we and all of creation are promised the good news. The good news. That's a phrase that first came into my imagination when I was gifted with the good news Bible. Before I was even confirmed, pretty clever way to 
market the Bible back in the 1980s when I got it, because the most popular other Bibles that were out there, well, the King James Version had been around forever, right? Which doesn't really sound like much of a page turner. Or there was the revised standard version. That kind of sounds like a science textbook or something. How Christians could receive the greatest compilation of stories ever put to written language and package them in the most boring and inaccessible ways possible. It's amazing. But then in the 1970s, because that's where all great things started, some people figured it out, the same lesson that gospel writers had figured out about 2,000 years before that, call it good news. Don't bury the lead. Like, title it by what it is, the good news. Nobody cares about King James anymore. Few get inspired by textbooks. Everybody wants to read good news. Some of you might remember just a couple weeks into the shutdown, March of 2020, John Krasinski from The Office, more recently from Jack Ryan, a lot more muscles in the Jack Ryan role. He hosted an online show he called Some Good News, well-named, perfectly named for a time when everybody was desperate for good news. There were only seven or eight episodes, but I remember in that March uh, and April when Rumors of death and deep fear filled the land and were really in everybody's isolated, uncertain lives. I remember that show being a real welcome highlight for our whole family. We watched it together. We knew that for at least a half hour, we would smile, life would feel lighter. We'd remember that our experience that felt very unique was actually very shared. We were not alone. And there were good people doing good things even in the world at that time. It was some good news. Maybe you already know that the Greek word for good news is gospel. Okay, gospel is how we translate the Greek word euangelion, which looks and sounds like evangelical. They all mean good news. Euangelion, evangelical, gospel, good news. We at First Lutheran are part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And I've always said we should rename our denomination. The Good News Lutherans. Done. Drop all the rest of it. Because when we put that word in our name, evangelical, that's what we meant. We meant that we're a church, a group of Christians who gather to hear and then be good news. The good news, the gospel, is what we wait for during Advent. It is what we anticipate what we expect. We prepare to once again encounter God's good news. But if I handed out a piece of paper and said, so what is the good news? Do you think I'd get just one answer? (laughs) What is it? Jesus. Yes, I established that. But again, what does that mean that Jesus is the good news? And so to get at these questions, we heard this text from Isaiah 61, the same part of Scripture, that Jesus himself quotes in the first sermon of his that Luke recounts. Luke, the gospel writer, says that after Jesus was baptized, after he was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus started to teach in their synagogues. When he came to Nazareth, remember that's his hometown, he went to his synagogue, On the Sabbath day, as he usually did, 
and stood up to read. The scroll of Isaiah was given to him. This would not have been unusual. Isaiah would have been read a lot. So Jesus unrolled it. He found what we would call chapter 61, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back. Of all the stories Luke could have first told, recounting any of the things Jesus ever did or said, at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, Luke remembers Jesus reading from Isaiah 61. Because Isaiah 61 just makes it really clear and puts it right out there. Yes, we wait for Jesus, we anticipate Jesus, we expect Jesus, we prepare for Jesus, because the birth of Jesus, the real presence of Jesus, means good news, but not undefined good news, as though every generation gets to load that phrase with our own ideas of what we think would be good. That's a really important point, that Jesus does not leave this idea of good news open-ended for us to define by ourselves, because my idea of good news might be quite different from yours. It probably, for me, would be about getting what I want, and maybe for you would be about you getting what you want. Or maybe we together would want the good news to be that my nation or our nation gets what our nation wants. My or our imagination around what is good is definitely going to be too small. In fact, none of us has the imagination that God has, which means no matter how good the good news could be in our own hearts, minds, and souls, God knows it's way better than that. It's way more good news than we can imagine. And so Jesus doesn't leave us, leave it to us to figure out what might be meant by the good news. Helpfully, he defines it for us quite specifically by reading Isaiah 61. So first, what it is. The good news is joy. And it is liberation. And it is release. By reading Isaiah 61, Jesus can define what the good news is, and he can also be very specific about who the good news is for. He says it is joy for the brokenhearted. It is liberation for those who are captive. It is release for prisoners. I'm afraid I might have lost you. Joy, liberation, and release. The good news is for the brokenhearted ones, the captives, and the prisoners. Is that us? Like, did you check out? Because you're like, well, that's not me. We wait, we anticipate, we expect, we prepare for good news, joy, liberation, and release that Jesus says is for the brokenhearted ones, the captives, the prisoners. That's what this third Sunday of Advent is about, is to remember whether you are brokenhearted or captive or prisoner. 
When the prophet Isaiah wrote this, his context, this is like 2,500 years ago, probably included the reality of Jews still living in exile. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the basic shape of the book of Isaiah, that the first first half of it is Isaiah warning Israel that exile is coming, that a foreign power, turns out Babylon, is coming to take their people and use their land. And then the second part of Isaiah is the after of all that, after it happened. So this Isaiah text quotes, uh, this Isaiah text that Jesus quotes in Luke's gospel assumed that there were still people living in exile. There were still people subjected to debt slavery, that is paying off their debts by giving up their freedom. There were still political prisoners. So in addition to the -the run-of-the-mill injustices of this life that every generation knows, in addition to the the typical oppressions and sorrows and systemic isms that always divide people, there are also these extreme examples of captives and prisoners and how an entire culture was living with a broken heart, wondering whether it could ever be healed, wondering whether their collective heart could ever be made whole again. Is that us? Resonating more with that, maybe? A culture wondering if there's ever healing or togetherness or wholeness again? I mean, I know none of us are actually political prisoners or paying off debt slavery, but we can count ourselves among the ancient line of those who live in the wake of bungled geopolitics, who live in times that are full of injustices, intractable conflicts, desperate, out-of-control issues that break our hearts. We are not literally the people Isaiah was writing about, but neither were those Jews in the synagogue that Jesus was reading that scroll to. By reading from Isaiah, Jesus is claiming that when God saw the people of Isaiah's day in need of joy, of liberation, of release, God still saw that need in the days of Jesus, and sees that need again in our own time. God always brings joy to the brokenhearted, then, now, and always. That's what Jesus is claiming, and that it happens through himself and any who follow him. Remember how the text started? Jesus reads, "'The Spirit of the Lord is upon me,' And after rolling up the scroll, all eyes are fixed on him. And Jesus says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is basically saying, I'm not just reading Isaiah's words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. And eyes got wide because they know this guy. And they're like, you? We've been waiting, anticipating, expecting, preparing, and this is the good news we've been waiting for? And it's being proclaimed and done through you, Jesus? Seriously? See, they'd been waiting for the wrong stuff. They'd been waiting for revenge against their enemies, wealth and power that is temporary in the grand scheme of things. They've been waiting for very small things. Their imaginations would never take them to where 
Jesus would take them. By reading Isaiah 61, Jesus was trying to make it very clear what it was that had truly arrived. Joy, liberation, release. Not little things like power, wealth, or revenge. Not the stuff that destroys, kills, and dominates, but the stuff that grows. The stuff that grows life and love. One commentary I read in preparation for today by Anathea Portier-Young said that Jesus' preaching was an intervention. Isaiah 61 is an announcement from God that the good news is here, it is for you, and no one can escape a broken heart in this broken world that is dominated by death and sorrow all by themselves. But following Jesus is the way. So don't waste your time waiting, anticipating, preparing for little things like having your way or enjoying the stuff of this world that eventually passes away. Joy in community, liberation from life's burdens, release from death. In faith, church, we know this all comes to mean that we together get called to be the body of Christ in this world. And so we pray this last week of Advent, come Lord Jesus, we wait for you, Prince of Peace. We anticipate you, Alpha and Omega. We expect you, God, with us. We prepare for you, Good Shepherd. And here's the good news. First Luther and anyone else who will listen, Jesus and all he means is coming for us and for all. In faith, we say thanks be to God. Amen.